we all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Ah, feel the whoa with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're taking over. Faith together. It's right there on the screens. I said together, everybody. I am unconditionally loved by God and at Harvest Church. I'm in my year of acceleration, accelerated progress, accelerated faith. This year, all I do is win in Jesus' name, Selah. Selah is amen's cousin, if you will. That means, God, you said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Go to Proverbs 24, 16. Starting a new series today, uh, then this month of September. And uh, and if you weren't here for uh, last series, which was Mission Impossible, which was a question, because with God, all things are... I encourage you to get that series. The, the testimonies that are coming in are astounding. They are amazing. And if you don't have one, don't you dare to get discouraged. You just keep going because remember, as they went, that's when they saw their miracles manifest. And, and just say, I'm, a, I'm the next testimony. Come on, say it like me to say, I'm the next testimony. Proverbs 24, 16. Now, now watch this. Uh, before we read this verse, there's a word in here that I need to qualify for you. It says righteous. Now, you may say, well, Bishop Foreman, I, I'm not righteous because I've made mistakes. Well, watch this. Romans teaches us that when Jesus died on the cross, he gave us his righteousness as a free gift. H- hear me, church, which means he made us righteous. What's righteous mean? In right standing. What's that mean, Bishop? Uh, think of it this way. If you owed the telephone company $100 for your cell phone bill, uh, being righteous with the telephone companies that you paid the bill on time or early, or before it was even due. So 2,000 years ago, before you ever were born into the earth, Jesus decided to pay the price for every sin, every failure, every mistake, every dumb decision. Can I get some witnesses in here? That you and I would ever ever make. And when he did that, he made us righteous or in right standing, which means when we approach God, do not say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. But now grace has made you righteous. Slap your neighbor, high five, say you're righteous. Which means I'm in right standing with God. So the issue is, is I'm not trying to work. Watch this. A lot of people are trying to do works to become righteous. Not so. Because we are righteous, we can do righteous works. Because I am, I can do, but I'm not doing to become. So I need to qualify that word. Uh, Proverbs 24, 16. For a righteous man. Now, 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 now say that's me. Okay. Now, now, if you're not a Christian, that's not you, but it's going to be you in about 35 minutes. For a righteous man, say that's me. They're, they may fall seven times. But watch what, watch what Proverbs, Proverbs means wisdom. But watch this. But they're going to get up again. <laughs> now, I just taught you that righteous is you. So I don't care where you're at in life today. I don't care where you're at on YouTube Live or Facebook Live or our app today. And you say, Bishop, I got some areas where I've leveled up, but I got some areas where I've fallen down. The book makes you a promise. A righteous man, say that's me. You may fall one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times, but you got one guarantee. You will rise again. 
I just need you as an act of faith to do that with me. I will rise again. Do it as an act of faith, everybody. I will rise again. For a righteous man, say that's me, may fall seven times, but he'll rise again. But the wicked, in his context, that'd be the non-Christian, they'll fall by their calamity. In other words, when they fall, they won't know how to get back up. But when you love Jesus and you fall, even when you never ever think you will get up from that place, even when you think it's the end, even when you think you can't live another day, even when you think I can't breathe another day, the book makes you a promise, and that promise is you will rise again. Introduce this message to somebody on your left and your right, and just say, you're going to fall sometimes. Say, we all will. Say, but when we fall, let's fall forward. Jesus, speak to us now. Give us clarity. Give us wisdom. Give us guidance. Customize. Taylor, make this message for us, your people, that today we would move forward in the things that you have ordained. As we are in this new month, uh, we're declaring new birthing of opportunities and new birthing of, of, of great things manifesting right in front of us. You are the God that does exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And so in this message today, we have great anticipation of your manifestation. Father, even though the series is over, the principle is that miracle signs and wonders today, adequate that every Everybody that's fallen somewhere in their life that today would be the day where Proverbs 24 16 comes to life that they would rise again in Jesus name somebody shout hallelujah as you grab a seat high five somebody say fall forward fall forward fall forward uh, as you know, we're starting this new life-giving message series today called Fall For, aimed at learning uh, from the Bible how to maximize failure. Anybody had some of those? Uh-huh. Mistakes. Anybody made some of those? And disappointments. Anybody had some of those? That is all of us. All of those words can be grouped together as falling, which metaphorically is failing. And here's what's clued throughout the Bible, and here's what's very clear throughout the Scripture uh, and in life. Many people, watch this, never properly process failure. So rather than experiencing a failure, they become a failure. Uh-huh. And if that's been you, I'm here to announce to you on this first Sunday of this new month, that's over. You are not a failure. You've had some. You're not a mistake. You've had some. You're not a mess. You've just made some. Now, failure is defined as the state or condition of not meeting a desirable or intended objective. And here's the truth, y'all. Everybody's going to fail at something at some time. That's a guarantee. So stop being mad at yourself because you had a human moment, because you had a human day. That's what's supposed to happen. The scripture says a righteous man may fall seven times. In other words, it's anticipated that he's going to fall, which is why Jesus made sure that, watch this, we had fall insurance 2,000 years ago. He said, I know you're going to fall. I know you're going to make mistakes. I know there are some days you're going to want to let everybody have it. I know there are some days where you're going to think this is the right way, but it's the wrong way because it's not my way. It's your way. You're going to think you should do this when you should do that. You're going to think you should get with this when you should have got with that. And you're going to fail at something sometime. But there's one decision we all have to make. Say, what's that, Bishop? That's the decision to fall forward. I'm going to say it again. That's the decision to fall forward. And that's one of the many benefits that comes with being a Christian. You know, when we think about this, all of us at, the, at our very core root as humans, we all are really asking this question with them. What's in it for me? Now, I know you may think you don't ask that question, but you do always ask that question. For some of you, tomorrow you don't work, and so some folks are barbecuing, and they invited you over to the barbecue. And so, and so watch this. You're thinking, well, what's in it for me? Okay, it got real quiet right there. You're thinking, okay, well, what am I going to eat? What am I going to get? The reality is just all of us, uh, whenever we are thinking about anything, there is a question that uh, uh, is in the back of our minds that asks this, what is in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? What am I going to get from this? Even King David, when he was going to fight Goliath, he didn't just do it because he was trying to be cool. He did it after asking the king, what does the man get if he takes Goliath down? So since God knows that uh, you and I often ask that question, what's in it for me? The scripture says in Psalms, uh, for remember the Lord and forget not his benefits. In other words, being a Christian, uh, there's benefits that come with being a believer. There's benefits that come with loving Jesus. I wish I had some witnesses in here. Uh, God says, listen, I gave my life for you so that you can live for me. But I'm, in doing that, I'm going to give you some benefits. And one of the benefits of being a Christian is that when we fall, we don't have to just fall backwards or fall down. One of our benefits is we get to fall forward. 
Now, the book says you're going to fall no matter what. But I don't know about you. If I got to fall no matter what, I want to make sure that when I fall, I ain't falling back and I'm not falling down. I'm falling I came to tell somebody in the last few months of this year, I don't care what falls you've had the first few months of this year, it's time for you to go forward. Last month or last week, we ended the series talking about it's time for you to level up. Well, for some of you, it's time for you to fall forward. Here's the first thing. Falling forward finds a way. Falling forward finds a way. Now, check this out. Experiencing a failure doesn't make you a failure. And making mistakes doesn't make you one. Having disappointments doesn't make you one. But today, here's the truth. You have to accept where and how you failed. You got quiet. You, just them say, you got to accept that. And then you have to decide, I'm not falling down nor backward. I'm falling forward. Here's what I discovered about most people. Most people do not want to be honest about how they failed and where they fail. And so because of that, they do not ever recoup from that because they don't even know that they had fallen. Pride has anesthetized them to thinking that somehow they didn't really fall. They didn't really make a mistake. Let me prove it to you. Has you ever had somebody do you totally wrong that anybody with a half an eye could see they did you wrong? And then you would bring the issue up to them and they're like, I don't see what the problem is. Sometimes, watch this, one of the greatest uh, uh, things that we can lack as human beings is self-awareness to realize I failed there, I failed there, I made a mistake there, I disappointed there, I did something wrong there. I don't know about you, one of the greatest disappointments for me is not when somebody made a mistake and they fix it, but when somebody is sitting at me looking at me like they did make a mistake and it's clear as black and white that you made a mistake and I'm just trying to figure out why I'm the only one that knows you made a mistake when you knew you made a mistake in the first place. And all the wives said... See, I was trying to help y'all. Now, 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 watch this, watch this, watch this. Uh, Proverbs 24, 16. For a righteous man, now we already learned who that is. That's who? That's you. That's us. May fall seven times. Now, Proverbs means wisdom. So, so he's saying there's some wisdom here. He says, and rise again. In other words, the rise was, was supposed to be the next logical step. It was supposed to be automatic. Uh, it's electric. Woogie, woogie, woogie. It's supposed to be automatic. What happens for many folk is that when they fall, if they first realize that they did fall or fail or make a mistake or have a disappointment, is they don't actually realize that they fell down or they fell backward. Got it? So what happens is most of the time is spent in a state that a person's unaware of. That's number one. Number two when they do recognize it or realize it, the decision is, well, I done made this bed, so I just got to lay in it. Rather than let me get up on top of this bed and figure out a way to make me a new bed. Mr. Foreman, what are you trying to say? The Bible says that it's implied we're supposed to rise again. Which means God says, while you're sitting there dealing with your issue, God says, well, why are you still down there on the ground? It's time for you to get up from that. Why are you still crying about that? Get up from that. Why are you still mad about that? Get up from that. Somebody say, I got to rise again. He says, he says, for righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Here's what that really means. He'll fall forward. Because he fell. What he's saying he's going to fall forward. Failure is loss, and loss causes grief, and it's easy to get stuck in grief, so you fall backwards instead of falling forward. And here's the trip about grief. Grief comes in stages, and I've discovered many people are grieving various areas of their life and sometimes don't even know it. It explains your erratic mood swings. It explains your up and down. It explains you sometimes doing the thing that you said you didn't want to do and, and trying to figure out, well, why did I do that? Saying the thing you don't want to say, but you say it anyway. And it involves a lot of the, uh, can we say, enigmatic behavior that you and I sometimes exhibit. It is that we can be grieving and not even know it. There's five stages of grief. The first is denial. Denial says, I can't believe this. Denial is denying that the situation happened. You ever had something happen and didn't realize what you did? You ever opened your mouth and said something and your mouth wrote a check and then when it came to to catch, uh, time to cast the check, you're like, whoa. I didn't know that's what I did. Uh, watch this. Denial says, I can't believe this, and that creates withdrawal. Okay? You withdraw from your normal routine. You withdraw from your normal life. You withdraw from church. You withdraw from prayer. You withdraw from worship. You start withdrawing. And you'll say things like, well, you know, I just need some time. And really what's happening is that you're in grief. You're in denial. And here's the truth about grief. In one area of your life, you can be great. In another area of your life, you can be right in the middle of grief. 
I think I have some witnesses in here. In one era, you can be celebrating and shouting in church. And then in another era, you can be like, oh, my God, I hope I don't have to deal with that once I get out of church. Lord, can you just fix it and make it better before I walk out of here? Second stage of grief, watch this, is anger. Watch this. Uh, the second stage is you're angry at yourself and angry at anybody else involved. Even if you don't have a legitimate reason to be angry with somebody else that's involved. When you're grieving, you'll be mad at folk that don't know nothing about it. You'll be, I wish I had some honest folks. You'll be mad at folk, you'll be angry at folk, and you'll have an attitude with folk and all that. And because you are angry, you're angry at them, you're angry at God, you're angry at yourself. And so when you're angry, anger is one letter away from danger. So you do very reckless things when you're angry. How many, watch this, how many things have we done out of anger that once we finished our anger, we had to go fix it? I used to have a problem. Don't judge me and talk about me, but when my phones wouldn't work, I used to have a problem. I got a problem. I used to have a problem that when my phone wouldn't work. Now, this one's been real good. I think they learned. They, they got the message. When my phone wouldn't work, I had a, uh, what did they use it? Palm Pilot. Is that what they call it? Palm, 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 uh, palm Pilot with the, little, the little, um, little stylus. And I had all that. And every time I got one, I, you know, I, first off, I was so excited to have my little Palm Pilot when it came out. Yeah, I felt real official. I felt really, you know, I said, this is, this is legit. <laughs> and we moving on up. Now I can send a message and not have to send A three times to get C. Or you know how you have to hit two, one, two, three to get C? Some of the millennials will never understand that struggle. Texting now, you just use your thumb. Back then, you had to pull the car over, stop. But look, so, so check this out. So, so, so check this out. So what happened, so what happened, so what happened is whenever my phone would start acting crazy, I, I, I would get so angry. And here's why I was angry, because I was sitting... In, in, in my office, which was in my home at the time, and I was sitting in my office, and the phone would just stop working and drop the call. And it wouldn't do it once. It would fall seven times. <laughs> and it wouldn't rise again. <laughs> I, had to, <laughs> I had to do all that. And so I can remember several times, pray for me, don't judge me, several times where I got so angry, I would find an open spot on the wall and just, and then run over to the wall to try to pick it up and put it back together because that anger made me, uh, watch this, act irrationally for a moment until I realized what I just threw is what I needed. Y'all not, not hear what I'm saying? You got to be careful when you get angry because your anger will make you tear up the thing you need. It'll make you ruin relationships that you need. It'll make you treat people poorly that you need. Touch your neighbor and say, be careful when you're angry. So I would tear the phone up and then delay myself because then one time it got real bad where the phone said, I ain't coming back home. So then I had to go take it to the store. And then all of this, and so what should have been, watch this, a 30-second drop call turned into a four-and-a-half-hour excursion to the store. So watch this. I delayed my next because I couldn't manage my anger in my now. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you got some anger that you need to release in this worship experience today. You've been mad at God, mad at folk, mad at who did you wrong, and today needs to be your day of freedom. Somebody say, I choose freedom. So after denial, then anger, then after anger, then bargaining. Here's bargaining. You start making deals with God and yourself. Okay, Lord, if you do this, <laughs> I will do this. You make some really, you know, really elaborate deals too. You're like, Lord, if you do this for me, I will read the whole Bible every day for the next 365 days of the year. Really, you're going to read the whole thing? We'll make these really elaborate promises. Lord, if you do this, I promise I'm, I'm going to tell everybody and anybody I know about you. Your coworkers still don't even know you're a Christian. It's quiet. So we, didn't, we started doing this. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. That's what we started doing. We started doing, you know that. You, you know how we do that. And we started replaying it through our heads. Like, oh, God. You know what I shoulda did? Here's the pro problem with bargaining. Is it's torture. Because you're trying to change what cannot be changed. 
I can't do nothing about what happened yesterday. The only thing I can do about is what happens from this moment forward. And I think there's some people in this worship experience today where you've been in a bargaining state. You need to let that go and realize I can't do anything about what happened except apologize for it. You need to be like Anita Baker and say, I apologize. Why? Uh, because there's nothing I can do about what was, but there's something I can do about from this moment forward. Is there anybody at this worship experience that says, I'm not going to get stuck in my past. I'm going to make a decision that from this moment forward I can do something about I can't do anything about what happened in 78 some of y'all still stuck when you had Jerry curls and stuff 89 and all that 95 you still stuck and the issue is is you can't do anything about that so bargaining is torture oh you know what I should have did what I should have did is this 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 and this well you can't do that it's torture it is like taking taking a knife and just gnawing and it ain't even a sharp one you took a butter knife from your original set of, of cutlery when you first moved out your house. <laughs> just wore down and you're just cutting and cutting and cutting. It's torture. But, but watch this. But then after bargaining, then depression comes. These are the stages of grief. Say stages of grief. Uh, this is when you give up and this is when you're numb. This is why at Harvest I always challenge you to speak life to one another because you don't know who needs to be knocked out of numbness. You don't know who's smiling but is numb. You don't know who lifted their hands, but it's numb. Which is why you just need to look at the person on your left and your right and say, I speak life into you. Tell them. Tell them, say, you shall live and not die. Say, you, you are God's best. Tell them, tell them, you are God's best. How do I know? Because he wouldn't die for trash. He wouldn't die for something that wasn't valuable to him. God looks at you and he sees something valuable. He says, this is my son. This is my daughter. Watch. Then finally, then finally, denial. Anger, bargaining, depression, then acceptance. Acceptance. Here's the question, though. But what are you accepting? Because people say, you just need to accept that. Well, what are you accepting? Falling down? Falling backward? Or falling forward? What do you mean, what do you mean Bishop? What am I accepting? If we were to simply uh, not know Jesus and not have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, psychology would suggest to us, that we just have to settle for life being whatever is thrown at us. But because you and I can do three things. Read, write, do arithmetic. The book teaches us, I don't care what hand I've been dealt. I got the ability to take a bad hand and turn it and play it for my good. Which means even if I started at the bottom, I don't have to stay at the bottom. Why? He'll make me the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. Always overcoming, never being overcome. It doesn't matter where I started. It just matters what I choose. Touch your neighbor and say, I choose to fall forward. Here's why you got to make that choice. Because when we deal with acceptance, are you just accepting falling backward, falling down? Well, that's this. Or falling forward. Grief is like a roller coaster that you have to find your way through. It's a roller coaster. And this is why sometimes people's emotions are very erratic. You ever met somebody that at the beginning of the day, they one way, spend about 20 minutes with them, then another way, spend about 20 minutes later, then another way. And you ain't met nobody like that, I had secret, they in your seat. <laughs> Let's just be honest though, we all, I don't care if you're the most non-emotional person here, we all have had moments where our emotions have been. Sunday morning, you're ready to fight, fight, fight. Sunday night, I'm quitting, quitting, quitting. Monday morning, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Monday night, oh my God, Bishop better hurry up and come on for commandment. We pray. I need him to say something because I don't think God will. I don't think he will. I don't think he will. It's the truth. It's the truth. But, but watch this. But say, I have to find a way. Now, y'all talk to me. Say, I got to find a way. I'm, I'm letting y'all get away with being docile because it's a new, new experience for you. But we finna turn up in just a minute. T they say, we about to go there. They say, where are we going, busy? We, go, we turning up. That's just what we're doing. I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I, I mean, the way you receive the word determines how fast it works for you. If you receive it with joy and gladness, then that thing will go quick, fast, and in a hurry. Now, you have to find a way, and this is what falling for does. It finds a way through it because uh, grief gives you grace if you let it. 
Now, I want to show you some scriptures. Ecclesiastes 10 and 10. I want to show you some scriptures to show you. I told you we've got a lot of ground to cover, and we're getting there. Y'all still with me? All right. So falling forward finds a way. Here's the way it finds. Ecclesiastes 10 10. You got to navigate through grief. I got to get through denial and anger and depression and bargaining. And I got to get through that. And I've got to make a decision that when I accept it, my acceptance is I'm falling forward. Yes, I was hurt, but I'm falling forward. Yes, I was betrayed, but I'm falling forward. Yes, I was let down, but I'm not staying down. That's a choice. Uh Ecclesiastes 10 10. If the axe is dull, and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use what? More strength. What's he saying? He's saying if you go out and try to cut something down and it's not sharp, you're going to have to be stronger in order to take it down because you're not sharp. Watch the latter part of the verse. But wisdom brings what? Success. What brings success? So what's the opposite of failure? Success. So what do I need in order to have success? Wisdom. Now, now watch this. Ecclesiastes 1.18. Ecclesiastes, by the way, it means ecclesia. It's written to the church. So he's talking to church folk. Ecclesiastes 1.18. For in much wisdom, you read it. Okay, y'all looking like y'all can't see it. Now, what brings success? Wisdom. How do I get it? Grief. You'll catch it in a minute. In other words, there's a song that says, I never would have made it. I'm wiser. I'm better. I'm stronger. Here's what I'm here to tell you. Every disappointment, every failure, every mistake, every fall, stop being mad about it. Why? It gave me wisdom. I'm wiser now. I'm better now. I'm stronger now. Somebody holler, grief gave me grace. Say it like you mean it. Grief gave me grace. So when people look at you now, they say, how are you so strong? Grief did that to me. How are you so wise? Grief did that to me. Why don't you give up so easily? Grief did that to me. Why do you keep beating the spirit of suicide? Grief did that to me. Somebody say, grief did it to me. So some of you need to stop being mad at people. You need to send them thank you letters and say, thank you for hurting me. Thank you for leaving me. Thank you for lying on me. Thank you for dropping me. Thank you for abandoning me. Thank you for rejecting me. Thank you. Why? Grief gave me grace. So look, falling forward finds a way. Wisdom brings success. And wisdom comes by grief. And he who increases in knowledge, Ecclesiastes 1.18 says, increases sorrow. There's stuff that in my own life, I look back, and when then I was in it, I said, this hurts. Like Hades. Hades is a Greek word for hell. Anybody ever had some stuff that hurt like Hades? There's some stuff that happened to me. I, I literally, it was like, and I was like, whoa. Wow. I said, I did all that for him? And and that's how? Wow. That's what they said, huh? Okay, I'm going to just let me tell my own story. See, when you tell your own story, you ain't got to worry about nobody else trying to change it and tell it for you. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm going to tell my own story. Don't you ever let nobody hold you hostage with your story. Just that I'll tell my own story. You ain't holding me hostage. I'll tell my own. And there's stuff that I would go through. And, and, you know, the majority of it happened to me as a pastor. When I was just a businessman, you know, I was cool. You know, I was cool. I was good. But, but you know, when I, when I um, next month celebrates, let's see, October celebrates, that's um, tw- <laughs> so, so next month celebrates, uh, November 4th celebrates 12 years as a bishop. And October celebrates uh, 21 years in vocational ministry since I started in ministry. And then 12 years as a pastor this past May. Now listen, now listen, most of my hurt came, look around. You know, people talk about church hurt, and I have a problem with that. Because first off, the, this, the church ain't done nothing to you. <laughs> People did something to you. And here's the trip about it. Stop saying, well, I've been church at, I've been church at, I've been church at. No, people did that to you. You were hurt on your job and didn't quit. You got in a car accident. Why'd you drive here today? You need to say, I've been, ac- I've been car hurt. I ain't driving no more. <laughs> I 
Are you hear what I'm saying? You went to the swimming pool and got a little water in your nose. And you still out there just. Here's the real issue. It's because most people talk about hurt that comes from sheep to sheep. But they don't talk about the hurt that comes from sheep to shepherd. And, 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 and so, and then the sheep can go off and, and do their little sheep thing. But then the shepherd got to get up after being bitten and bleeding by the one he was helping. I used to look at that stuff. I was like, God, I nobody want this. Then who would want that? I said, especially if you really care. Like if you're just in this for a different motive, then you don't really care. But if you're in this because you genuinely care about the people you lead, you know, it's a whole other thing. And I said, God, what's up with this? And he said, this verse, to son, in much wisdom. He says, you want to know why people call you wise? Because of how you've hurt. You want to know why people call you from across the country and they've done this, that, and the other, and all that, and they've done this, they've been doing it twice as long as you, and all that. You want to know why they look to you for wisdom? It's because you learned how to fall forward. I said, oh! Okay, well, cool. Touch your neighbor and say, oh! Cool. cool. You want to know why so many people look to you for answers? Because you know how to fall forward. You want to know why everybody calls you? And check it out. When you're the strong one, you always, or people are calling you for prayer. People are calling you for this. People are calling you for wisdom. You're like, why don't nobody ask me? It's because they don't know how to fall forward. They looked at you and decided that you know how to fall forward. Throw your hand up in your air if that's you and say, I learned how to fall forward. And here's why that's important. I feel like preaching now. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Let's start at the back of the verse, get to the front of the verse. It says, through us he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge. Do you know what fragrance means? Fragrance implies that there's something that has a perfume to it. To get a perfume, you have to crush a flower. So how is his knowledge diffused in every place? When you're crushed, when, you, when you're disappointed, when you're frustrated, when you go through grief. So in other words, what's hurting me is actually what's helping me to make people see him better. Y'all didn't hear what I said. What hurts you is actually what's helping people see him through you better. So stop being mad at what's coming against you. Just say, I'm not falling backward. I'm not falling down. I'm falling verse it says through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place now thanks be to God I said we start with the back go to the front who always leads us in triumph now let me ask you something what's always mean in Hebrew always what's always mean in Greek he always Hebrew Old Testament Greek New Testament check this out God says and that's your shout I always Even when you can't find any way, God says, always. Even when you feel like you're at the bottom of the ocean and megalodon jaws and everybody's swarming trying to take you down, God says, baby, don't you give up. Watch my next move because I always. Even when you feel like you can't take it another day, he says, I always. You know what always means? Always, always, all days I'm being led into triumph. Somebody give him a praise if you believe him for his word. Which means as Christians, all we do is win even if we do fail. Even if I did fall, I still won. Why? Because I'm falling forth. Even if you did lose the job, you are still winning because you're falling forth. Even if they take the house, you still won because you're falling you got it in the first place, you'll get another one. I used to, I used to, hold on, we're about to go there, we're about to go there. Uh, to be seated, to be seated, we're about to go there. I, um, I used to, and if you can sympathize with me, and just wave your hand at me, what I'm about to say, or empathize, rather. I used to, I used to uh, sit up and play all these doomsday scenarios in my head. Nobody wave their hand. See, I knew y'all was going to leave me. That's all right. <laughs> I, I used to play these doomsday scenarios in my head. What happens if all of this and this 
and that and that. And I'd be tired just from thinking. What happens if this person does this and this person do this? And what happened if that? 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 And then God started letting some of that stuff happen. And I said, Lord, what is this thou doest with He said, I need to take your fear away. I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So how do you get rid of fear? Go in it. How do you get rid of fear? Let the very thing you fear happen to you and you beat it. Some of you, you said, Lord, take fear. He was like, to take fear, uh, this going to hurt a little. But you will never be scared of losing everything again. Why? I took that fear from you. So that if ever you get knocked all the way down, you can rise up and say the same God that did it back then. I feel like preaching. It's the same God that'll do it again. What if you lose the business? I built that one. I'll build another one. What if the people walk out? I built this one. I'll build another one. What am I going to do? I'll build another one. I'm not falling down. I'm not falling backward. I'm falling. Sometimes, sometimes to take your fear, the very thing you fear has to happen. And he's like, but now let me lead you through it. And here's the trip, 2 Corinthians 2.14. It doesn't say he forces us into triumph. Okay, so here's the issue. He leads us. Say he leads us. Which means it's a choice to fall forward. It's a choice. So some people say, Bishop, I'm a Christian, and I just, I just, it just seems like nothing works. That's because you can't be led. You talk too much to be led because you want to be in charge of everything. Um, there's this thing I have in life. I learned a long time ago. When people don't value my voice, I just stop talking. Because I'm going to be mad. They're going to be mad. And ultimately, I need to find somebody that will hear my voice and then invest in that person. Because I refuse to fight somebody to validate the value of my voice. So if you don't understand it, that's okay. I'll just talk to this one. Check it out, check it out, check it out. Here's how Jesus works. Jesus is like, I love you. I die for you. Hey. And then, but if you try to like, Jesus is like, okay, come on, let me lead you. How does he lead us? Through his word. So he's like, okay, here's the word. Come on, you hear the message today. Fall forward. Some, some folk, some folk, not you, you spiritual, but your neighbor. They're going to leave and be like, that's real cool what he said. That's real nice what he said. But I think. But I feel. But you don't know what I've been through. You don't know where I've been. You didn't grow up in the house I did. You didn't have the same mama. You didn't have the same daddy. You didn't have this or that. So Jesus is like, I'm not going to force winning on you. Like, could you imagine if you got a million dollar check and, and, and somebody, you know, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. No, right here. Ain't nobody behind you. Come here. Come here. You, you're going to be my prop today. There's new people sitting up front, so you're my prop today. Okay. All right. So here's a million-dollar check. Okay. You ready? Here's a million-dollar check. It could really be. Oh, it could be. Okay. All right. All right. Here's a million-dollar check. Now, now, come with me to the bank. But, now, but stay right there. Now start telling me why you can't. Got to go work. Don't have a way. I got a million dollar check. Let me lead you to the bank with me so I can get you the cash. Oh, wow. Oh, oh wow. See how she ain't even in the camera shot? Watch it. Second Corinthians. I lead you in the triumph. Come, follow me to the land of victory. <laughs> Off to the wizard we go, whatever. <laughs> Let's go. It's this million dollars, you can pay your debt off. You get your house clear and free. You better hurry up and get it because these prices is. 
and you can put some money away. Now pay your tithes now. Now, come let me lead you to get the cash. Let, let me lead you. Let, let me lead. Come on. Let's go. Let, let's go. But just stay right there. What are you scared of? Do not fear. Be of good courage. I've made you a promise. Walk with me through the process to possess it. Just come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And you know what most people do? They stay stuck in fear, stuck in worry, stuck in shame, stuck in guilt. And God says, well, I'm not going to force this on you. So if you don't want it, then I can't force this on you. I lead you, but I'm not forcing you anything. And I think there are some of us today that need to throw our hands up and ask God, Lord, forgive me for having to be forced. Lord, forgive me for not being led. Shout, Lord, forgive me for not being led. By your word. Thank you. Thank you so much. That, that's what most of us do. And we're sitting there telling him all of these reasons. Well, I can't do it because of this. I can't do it because of that. I've been through this. I've been through that. I dealt with this. I dealt with that. This happened. That happened. And God is saying, I'm trying to lead you. So, what happened now? You, you going to lead yourself? So all of a sudden, you know what to do now. All of a sudden, you're an expert on relationships. All of a sudden, you're an expert on finances. He says, I'm trying to lead you into triumph, but I'm not going to force this on you. Here's what, here's what you heard if you grew up in church. Here, here was the principle. What's for you? Not true. That's not in the book. Well, Bishop, what is for me? What you go get? <laughs> Bishop Foreman, what do you mean? He told the children of Israel, here's the promised land. It's yours. Come on, now let me lead you. Now, while I'm leading you, there's some enemies over here. I got you. There's some enemies over here. I got you. There's some problems over here. I got you. But just come on. And you know what they said? No, we're not going to do it. We don't have the strength. We don't have the ability. We don't, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. So God was like, cool. You don't want it. I'll get to your kids. You're going to run out of time. I'm, I'm not present. I'm everywhere all at the same time. Check this out. Check this out, church. Check this out. How many of us, because we still on falling, a failing forward, finds a way. How many of us do we decide to stay stuck? Now, what did I offer her? A million dollars. Now, I don't think you have more than a million dollars in debt. You don't have to answer affirmatively or not. If you do, come down for prayer after church. <laughs> Check this out. I gave her her answer. But she wouldn't follow me. I gave her what she prayed for she wouldn't follow me. I gave her everything. The Bible says money answers all things. She could have answered a whole lot of problems. I got some enemies. You could have answered a whole lot of enemies too. But she wouldn't follow me. Falling forward requires finding a way to follow God's word even when it hurts, even when you don't want to. Kind of like going to the gym. You ever not wanted to go to the gym? or exercise, or whatever your thing is, but you remembered what your goal was. I do this thing every night. I do this thing. We're about to get to the second point and point three. Y'all learning? I do this thing every night where I do this, um, this ab roll thing. I do, I do 30 a night because I don't want to set a, a number that I'm not going to do. So somebody said, you need to move it up to 100. <laughs> I said, you do 100. <laughs> said, I ain't doing 100 because I ain't going to do it. I said, I got 30 a night. That's what I do. My ab, that's, that's my thing. And whenever I travel, I have to make up for the nights I miss because the thing is too big to take with me. So, the, you know, the little ab roller pro or whatever it is. So I can't take it with me. So I do them every night. Well, here's the deal. I have to make a choice to do those every single night. And last night, my mind said, well, you're going to have a few extra minutes tomorrow because it's just one and you really won't need as much strength because you're just preaching once and all that. Just do it tomorrow. I had to make a choice to be faithful and consistent. Watch this. And nobody else was watching. What you trying to say, Bishop? 
Now, of course, the Lord was watching. Here's the point. Falling forward requires making a choice, even if you're the only one that knows about the choice. Too many of us get on the phone and we're announcing all of our choices to everybody trying to get co-signers. And there's just some choices you need to make inside of yourself. Stop announcing it and just do it. Make it happen. Touch your neighbor and say, make it happen. Here it is, point number two. I got to finish this up. Falling forward fuels success. Why does Proverbs 24, 16 say seven times? Say why, Bishop? Because in biblical numerology, that is the study of the impact of numbers on your life from the scripture, seven means completion. So in other words, falling forward actually makes us better, gives us what we lack. And sometimes you need to take an L so you can value the W. Bishop, what are you saying? Sometimes you need to take a loss so you can value winning. Winning got so easy to you that you didn't realize that if you don't value it and if you don't treasure it, you might take an L. Uh, touch your neighbor and say, it made me better. It made me better. Yeah, falling forward fuels success. According to the Huffington Post, uh, Bill Gates' first business failed. Gates' first company trampled down and failed miserably. And when Gates and his partner, Paul Allen, tried to sell it, the product wouldn't even work while they were trying to sell it. But Gates and Allen didn't let that stop them from trying again, though, and he fell forward and $76 billion later. Okay, Benjamin Franklin dropped out of school at age 10 and his parents could only afford to keep him in school to his 10th birthday. So he taught himself uh, how to read and eventually went on to invent the lightning rod and bifocals. Oh, and he became one of America's founding fathers and his face is on every hundred dollar bill. He fell for Oprah Winfrey gave birth at age 14 and lost her child. She was molested and she eventually ran away from home. And at age 14, she gave birth to a baby boy who shortly died thereafter. But two point nine billion dollars and a TV network later. Y'all ain't talking to me. Somebody say she fell forward. Uh, Thomas Edison failed a thousand times before creating the light bulb. The exact number of tries has been debated, ranging from a thousand to ten thousand attempts. But it's safe to say Edison tried and failed a whole bunch of times. Bunch is southern vernacular of a bunch. Uh -huh. He failed a whole bunch of times uh, before he was successful. And when they asked him about his repeated failures, here's what he said. I didn't fail. I just found ten thousand ways it ain't going to work. Dr. Seuss's book, come on, cat in the hat and green eggs and ham. Uh, first children's book uh, was to, uh, called this, and to think that I saw it on a mulberry street. It was refused by 27 publishers. 27 folk told him no. But when you make a decision to fall for it, I don't need 27 yeses. I just need Y'all not talking to me. And I came to tell somebody, you've taken a lot of L's and a lot of failures the rest of this year. But I'm going to tell you from this day forward, all you need is one yes. All you need is one open door. All you need is one opportunity. Somebody, how long all I need is one. And over a half a billion books later, okay, Will Smith's lip, life got flipped, turned upside down when he owed the IRS $2.8 million in taxes in 1989, but he fell forward and starred in the second highest grossing film in U.S. history called Independence Day. Michael Jordan, watch this, was rejected from his high school varsity basketball team. Can you imagine how dumb that coach felt when he looked up and saw him on the Bulls talking about, I wish I would have recruited that boy. To everybody that didn't see value, God says, I'm going to make it so that they're going to turn and look and say, I shouldn't have did that one wrong. I shouldn't have treated that one poorly. And six NBA championships in a billion dollars later. Now, we don't know if these people were Christians or not, but we do know that something in them made them fall forward. And 1 John 4, 4 says that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So let's call the roll. Say call the roll, Bishop. Moses couldn't even talk right, yet God says you shall be as God to Pharaoh in Exodus 7 and 1. David had low self-esteem as evidenced by his poor relationship with the scissors, yet the Lord says he's a man after his own heart in 1 Samuel 13, 14. Peter denied Christ, yet Jesus says feed my sheep. Paul started out killing Christians, then he started planting churches. Somebody say they fell for it. Joseph looked like a failure and he told his dreams to the wrong people. Becomes a slave, sold to the Midianites, sold to Potiphar. He's a captain for Pharaoh then, uh, uh, who was a captain for Pharaoh then because he wouldn't lie with Potiphar's wife. He goes to prison and while he's there he meets the chief butler and the chief baker and the butler refers him to Pharaoh and he's now second in command over all of G Egypt. But it was failure that got him there. Even Jesus looked like a failure for three days until he didn't anymore. I'm here to tell somebody, don't you worry about how you look right now. You might look like a failure now. And you might look that way until you don't look that way. And in about three days, Jesus came up out of that state of failure and said, I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection. Holla, fail forward. Holla, fall forward. Even Jesus 
look like a failure. Just for a moment. Can I just park there for just about 10 seconds? Just imagine. Even Jesus, for three days, looked like a loser. Let's just call it, just to be truthful. Because for three days, y'all, for three days, no miracles, no signs, no wonders, no healing. He looked at his life. People look rather looked at his life and like, I thought he was God. Imagine what their friend said. You've been following this man. He dead. He looked pretty dumb now. Because he's gone. What y'all gonna do? Even Peter got so discouraged, Peter walked away. When Jesus came back, he said, go get my disciples and Peter. Because Peter had disqualified himself. Peter said, I can't even be called one of his no more because the way I've been acting. For three days, even Jesus looked like a failure. Until one day. Let's go on and call the scripture. It was a Sunday morning. The scripture says on the first day of the week. And on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb. When they go to the tomb... They were expecting to see a man that had fallen. They were expecting to find him fallen in that tomb. That's what they were expecting. They said, this fallen man is going to be in this tomb. He's a nice guy. He did lots of nice things. Very nice guy. Nice things. He's real kind. He's real kind. He's a nice guy. Heals some people. Sets some people free. But he's a failure. And he's fallen. So they go, and you know what they're ready to do? The Bible says they're ready to take some spices and some anointing oil and all that. And they said, we're just going to go and all that. And then they get there. So where's the tomb? Where's the rock that's in front of the tomb? Somebody moved it. You know how these people be doing. Always messing with stuff that ain't none of their business. Then they go look in the tomb. Ain't nothing in there. The angel says, why do you look for him here? Did you think he fell down? Did you think he fell backward? Oh, no, no, no. He was teaching you how to do something. He was teaching you how to fall forward. He's not here. He is risen. Look at me. Where wasn't he? In his place of failure. Where wasn't he? in a fallen place. I'm going to tell somebody, you've been going back to that same tomb. What's a tomb? A dead place, dead memories, dead things, dead relationship, dead folk, dead stuff. And Jesus says, nobody should be able to find you there anymore. I dare you to lay your hands on yourself and say, today's my resurrection day. I don't care if the marriage failed, baby. I'm here to tell you, learn from it, but it's time to move forward. I don't care if the relationship failed, learn from it. It's time to move forward. When people look in your tomb, let them say, we can't find them here no more. Say, it's my resurrection day. They couldn't find him in the place he was supposed to be stuck. They were expecting him to have fallen down or falling backward. The angel says, he's not even here. He got up. He's risen. Look at where they laid him. Look at where that disappointment laid you. Look at where that hurt laid you. Look at where that loss laid you. But you're not there anymore. That's a good place for somebody to give God praise. And greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world, which means the same God that did that back then is the same God that's doing that right now. Last point, last point. What's what's point number one? Falling forward finds a way. What's point number two? Falling forward fuels success. Here's point number three. Falling forward focuses you. Falling forward focuses you. What does it mean focus, Bishop? You know when people fail, especially men? Men fail because of broken focus. You don't know what to look at and what not to look at. When you're driving, there are certain things you can't be concerned about because it has nothing to do with where you're headed. Watch this. Watch this. Say focus. Okay, Proverbs 16.3. I just want you to see something real quick. Proverbs 16.3. When you fail, which is the same thing as a fall, a lot of the times we're not very cognizant. We're not very aware uh, of of uh, uh, the fact that we weren't focused. Proverbs 16.3. Say focus. 
name some things. Let's have interactive church for about 20, 10 seconds. Um, name some things that uh, break your focus. Food, cookies, TV, phone, relationships, kids, games, social media. Uh, I didn't hear it. Electronics, food, people, games, electronics, sales, like store sales. That don't distract me. That says good, good deal, good value. <laughs> Check it out. Check it out. Here's the deal. A lot of the times, um, and I'm going to tell you something. I used to be on my phone a lot in the car, allegedly. <laughs> it's right. Fake news. It's fake news. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. It's all not real. What you're seeing and what you're hearing isn't real. And I used to, allegedly, my phone would beep, make a noise. So not only would I be on it, I'd bring it up and I'd be responding and texting. Allegedly. And one day, and one day something happened. Say, what happened, Bishop? One day, I was in front of this, um, uh, I was driving, and my car has this thing where if you get too close to somebody, it shakes you. So I was driving, allegedly responding. It's about important kingdom work. And, um, and then all of a sudden, and I looked, and I was uncomfortably close allegedly, to this vehicle that was in front of me. And I just said, thank you, Jesus. Here's the problem. What I was doing at that moment required me to focus on what was ahead of me. And instead, I allowed a noise to distract me. You'll catch the principle in a minute. I allowed a noise to distract me so that I took my eyes off of what it should have been on. And I put my eyes on a noise that wasn't even important. What are you saying, Bishop? Sometimes when we fail and fall, it's because we're distracted by noises that aren't even important. Lions never get obsessed with the opinion of the sheep that they eat. What's the principle, Bishop? Is there certain noises that we allow to distract us? A lot of it's social media. And we're pro-social media church. I'm not anti-social media. But, like, you would enjoy your life if you weren't so busy comparing it to everybody else's on Instagram. Oh, look, they're so happy. They took a picture. Do you think the picture's going to show the, the, the struggle? You think the picture really going to show them arguing? That's everybody's highlight reel. And we often compare that to our practice footage. We get distracted by sounds and noises. So a lot of times we're not focused. And here's the principle. Proverbs 16.3. Commit your works to the Lord. And your thoughts will be established. Here's often what we do. Here's often what we do. We start thinking about stuff, go do it, and then pray about it. Reverse order. The book says, commit whatever you're going to do to the Lord. What does this look like practically, Bishop? Every day, there's a prayer I pray. When I'm commanding my day, commanding my week, and every morning, I do it, I do it, I do it double time. All right? Even before in the morning up. Because I say, Lord, every decision I make, every move I make, every step I take, every little step I take, every step I take, I say, Lord, I commit my decisions and my works to you. Why? Because there's going to be some decisions I don't have time to shut the door and go into deep prayer about. So there's going to be some decisions I need to have pre-committed to you so that whatever decision I make, I know it's the right one. Why? Because I pre-committed my decisions to you. Sometimes we fail. Y'all not talking to me because what we do is we start making a bunch of decisions. And when we start making a bunch of decisions, what ends up happening is that these bunch of decisions that we make, then we start praying about it after we made the decision. We're like, Lord, bless my decisions. Lord's like, well, I never would have did that in the first place. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Uh, so when, when you fall forward, it focuses you to commit your plan to God before you start planning. Say, I got to commit my plan to God before I start planning. All right, watch this. Here's, here's the second thing it does in focusing you. Not only does it focus you to commit your plans, because after you'd had some plans fail, 
here's what we normally do. We normally go to extremes. One extreme is that we don't want to plan nothing. Another extreme is that we are, so, we are so fearful when we plan that we try to make perfect plans instead of making the best plan. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm not trying for perfection. Say, I'm just trying for the best. Yeah, sometimes it's not about making the perfect decision. It's about making the best decision. And I'll make the best decision if I commit my works to the Lord. Here's the second thing. It focuses us to seek counsel. Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Multitude doesn't mean many people. A multitude means excellent people. That, that's what it means in the Hebrew language of the Old Testament. So check this out. Whose counsel did you seek, or did you decide all of a sudden that your decision-making skills dramatically improved? Now just think about it. I'm not beating you up and beating you down. But let's just be honest. Um, there are certain people that you know. Got it? And just sit next to you. Don't say nothing. There are certain people that you know where they have a history of making horrible relationship decisions. Horrible decisions. Like when you look up bad relationship decisions on Google, they're right there. So then what happens is they go through a failure, they go through a fall. Then what happens? Then a new thing comes along. And then when a new thing comes along, they're like, nope. I'm good. I'm good, Bishop. I'm good, Bishop. I know exactly what I'm doing. I learned all the lessons I need to learn. Sought no counsel. No excellent counsel. They instead asked all of the other people. <laughs> and they talking about, well, I'm booed up. No, you about to get booed down. That's her song, not your song. <laughs> so now they're making these decisions with no excellent counsel. So then the same thing happens again. And then you know what happens? I don't know why I keep doing this. You sought no excellent counsel. You weren't focused. You were so excited by the potential that you ignored the pitfalls. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Now, now, now this has been a, this has been a somewhat a cerebral message. You've been listening, huh? That's good. That's good. That's good. Check this out. Say focus. Do you actually commit your plans to the Lord? What do you want me to do? Not my will, but your will be done. And I learned to seek excellent counsel. I don't have to live life by experimentation. I get to live life by design. In an experiment, every now and then things will go wrong. But when you live your life by design, I don't have to worry about the outcome. Why? He always leads me into triumph. Which means even if I get knocked down, I'm being led into triumph. Even if I get hurt, I'm being led into triumph. Even if I feel like a failure, I'm being led into triumph. Even if I feel like nothing's working for my good, the scripture says, and we know, I want to preach here, that all things work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. I'm being led into triumph. I'm not falling backward. I'm not falling down. I'm falling forward. Let's end this message. Shake your neighbor's arm like you're going to shake it off. Say, you're not falling backward. You're not falling down. Say, you're falling forward. Uh -huh. Give God praise if you believe that church. I said, give God praise if you believe that church. I'm not falling down. I'm not falling backward. Baby, I'm going forward. When the devil says you're not going to win, I'm going. When you feel like you're a victim, no, you're not. You're a victor. I'm going. And I'm out of time. Today. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, and at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God, and they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means, that not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives 
to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All of those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word DECISION to the phone number 59769. And when you do, I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal the day. Hey, congratulations. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase. And no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Ah. Feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. 